This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello and welcome to the award-winning Red Box Politics podcast from The Times. I'm Matt Chorley. This is apparently the news podcast of the year, according to the Press Awards. A massive thank you to all of you for listening, but for sending in all of your ideas and feedback and suggestions that have made such an impact on the podcast over the past 12 months. A massive thank you also to our Times colleagues, reporters and columnists who are very much the backbone of the podcast, uh, but also all the other pundits and pollsters and comedians and the occasional politician who we allow on the podcast as well. But a special thank you to Alex Jakes, who's the producer of the podcast, who you may have heard at the Christmas special when I talked about that this is not normal stand-up show. He's the one that makes it sound as good as it is, particularly during last year when I spent so much time out and about recording things on my phone or with a mobile recording kit and just sending him hours and hours of, of absolute nonsense and he edited it all together to produce some pretty incredible episodes. One that we're most proud of, I think, is the uh, situation grim but worsening, which tried to sum up the atmosphere in uh, Westminster when Brexit was dominating so much. It, I mean, that feels like a very long time ago now, but so many episodes from last year that I enjoyed. Anna Subri going walking the park with Anna Subri, going running with Jeremy Hunt, didn't really enjoy and it was a slightly strange thing to listen to, but uh, all memorable episodes. The interviewing with David Cameron about what it was like to be Prime Minister, the episode on what happens when you become uh, Prime Minister. Loads and loads and loads of them. Your questions, when you sent in your questions during the election campaign, was fascinating. And you asked much better questions than I often do. So thank you to all of you uh, for doing all of that. In the citation for the, the Press Awards, they said, the winner leads in a crowded field of political podcasts with an engaging and witty host who puts politicians at their ease for the listeners to feel as if you're round the kitchen table with them and it succeeds triumphantly. So we're going to rise to those high standards in this week's episode by talking about the telly. A couple of weeks ago, we did the World Cup of Political Films. Very controversial in the end, went in the loop one, and lots of people got very cross about that, beating all the president's men. However, several of you got in touch uh, after the podcast and said, would we do TV shows? That's exactly what we're going to do. You've been sending in your, your nominations. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nominations from podcast listeners, readers of the Red Box Morning email, and people on Twitter. Uh, we'll whittle them all down to the top 32, uh, which will go through to the finals of the World Cup. 
cup of political TV shows. Uh, all kicking off at 10am on Tuesday. That's April the 7th. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, when the podcast is just dropped, then you can listen to this and play along as the rounds unfold. But what to think of the shows uh, that are going through to the finals? Who better to discuss it with than Hugo Rifkin, the Times TV critic? Do we divide it up by category? Do we do drama first and then comedy or British and then American? The problem I had when I started thinking about this was almost all TV, when you end up thinking about it, can be political. I'm, I'm reviewing the new CBB's Mallory Towers at the moment, and that's deeply political. And you kind of think, this is a bit like the cabinet <laughs> schoolgirl or boarding school. So you can you can get a bit bogged down and get end up with absolutely anything. But no, I think it makes sense to, yes, I, I don't think we need to split up between British and American, but I think certainly we split between drama and comedy. Although particularly some of the comedies are actually more more meaningful than the dramas. Okay, well, let's start with the one that, that spans Britain and America. Let's start with House of Cards. Oh, since you ask, no. Because I happen to think there's at least one man who'd make a much better leader. You might think that, Matthew. I couldn't possibly comment. Possibly one of the most iconic political novels and then British TV show, hugely popular uh, trilogy in the UK, which then took on a whole new life in America when it became a TV show, obviously under Kevin Spacey. Do you have a favourite of the British or American? I think they're both rubbish. I've never liked House of Cards. I prefer the, I, really? I prefer the British to the American. This, the, the, thing about, the thing about House of Cards, I always think, is the British one, okay, the British one's good, but the, the British one is, is satirical, but it's very slyly satirical. It's not meant to be realistic drama, whereas the American one is kind of satirical, but in a way that like the audience aren't even meant to know it's satirical. You see what I mean? And that translates as being less satirical and more just kind of crap. I mean, the American one is very crap a lot of the time. You've got to admit it. You know, um, whereas, I do remember, the, the, I can't remember if it was season two or season three, there was a very long bit about China and some energy company or something, and it... it I, that was when I sort of slightly lost the will to live, and then obviously towards the end they lost the star as well. Yes, yes. Although they didn't, I'm not sure it necessarily got got worse. All, 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 I, all I remember is um, I remember reviewing the entire last series in a day, and it nearly killed me. And I wasn't quite sure what I got out of it by the end. The British, what the British one did is it, it sort of it set the template for a, a huge amount of kind of sort of political characterization that we still cling to. Obviously, particularly with the whip, but not not just with the whip. You know, it kind of it sort of defined what 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 political drama characters look like so that was that was that was very influential but neither neither are quite to my taste i must admit okay then let's deal with the other two who i feel are going to dominate the uh the world's cup of political tv shows uh yes minister which obviously became yes prime minister and the thick of it then we follow the four stage strategy in stage one we say nothing is going to happen Stage two, we say something may be going to happen, but we should do nothing about it. In stage three, we say that maybe we should do something about it, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> stage four, we say maybe there was something we could have done, but it's too late now. <laughs> you know what? You know what's really f***ing sad here is that I, I don't even have the energy to pretend I already knew. Which is for the best, because I'm going to need all of my f***ing energy to f***ing rip all of your bodies to bits with my bare hands and sell off yes yeah, sell off your f-ing flayed skin as a sleeping bag to a f-ing normal person can i just say that getting angry actually isn't going to help anything i've i've done anger i'm currently at grief i'm working my way towards bargaining whatever you know you're behind me so what is your great strategy for dealing with this come on i mean i'm 
in all ears. I'm fucking Andrew Marr here. To different degrees, people say, oh, they are, they, are, they reflect what it's really like in politics. Uh, ministers in particular tend to say that, uh, yes, minister is more realistic. Spads and journalists tend to think that the thick of it is more like it. I mean, that might be because ministers don't like to admit that there is incompetence the thick of it suggests. Where do you stand on the two of them? I think they're, they're both priceless works of art. I think, I mean, the thing about yes, minister is, yes, minister is really a satire on the civil service. It's not really about politicians and politics. I mean, there, there, there are bits about politicians and politics and, and the ego and the competition and the, and the general incompetence. But really, it's a satire on the civil service, whereas, whereas the thick of it is more of a satire on, 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 um, on politicians and, the, and their advisors and, and not, so much, not so much the civil servants, not so much the, 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 kind of, the, the sort of establishment machinery in the background. I think, I mean, they're, they're just both absolutely wonderful. When I was a kid, I had... Um, or I guess I must have stolen off my of my parents. Would make more sense. I had the, the the all the books of Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, and they, and they they turned into fantastic books based on the based on the on the TV series. So I, I know I sort of know them line by line, and um and every I mean every every day when there's a political story, there's there's something you can map it onto in, in Yes Minister or Yes Prime Minister. What we're sort of lacking is the episode of Yes Minister where there was a global pandemic which threatened to wipe out the world. That's what we could really do with. Weirdly, weirdly, even the satirists didn't see that coming. Um, <laughs> what was what was very clever in, in Yes Minister as well, even if you look back now, is you don't really know what party they're supposed to be ever. You know, like um, the the thick the thick of it, it was it was pretty for the most part they were New Labour, and then the Tories came in, and you could you could see that happening. Whereas Yes Minister, you're not quite sure what Hacker is. You know, he's a you know he's a he's a sort of a sort of ex trendy LSE journalist. But whether he's a sort of liberal Tory or a kind of sort of reforming, uh, you know, sort of more establishment Labour figure, it's never really quite clear. And 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 if you think about how long they managed to keep that going for, them. And, and for it to be so timeless, what what quite often dates a TV show is the sort of the the locations and the costumes. And of course, the beauty of politics is that none of those things have changed. It's mostly still men in suits walking around sort of wood panelled buildings and gothic, you know, gargoyles and all that sort of stuff. So so it just doesn't feel like it's dated in the same way. My my favourite episode is, and I think will always be the one where they get the I think they get they're getting the sleeper train up to Scotland, and there's some I can't remember what it is. There's some there's some drama on the way. A few times when I've been to do question time in Glasgow, you come back on the sleeper, and you're on the train with a bunch of politicians, and you don't generally all cram into the same room because you don't want those people in your room. But it does feel much, you know, you're pushing, you're sort of I don't know, pushing past a kind of sort of junior government minister in the corridor, and it feels it feels very very familiar from yes minister, let's say. <laughs> Okay, let's expand it a bit then into some of the stuff, the more recent stuff. Let's talk about uh, The Bodyguard, which is a very sort of contemporary political drama, and then obviously the very English scandal with Hugh Grant. And also, one of the things that struck me, Years and Years, which was a very political show, albeit one set in the future rather than in the past, uh, but basically featured actually maybe the closest thing to what we're going through now, a sort of massive societal breakdown and the way that politicians react to that. Like some of these shows have kind of sort of deeper meaning, and some of them are like historical. Some of them are just are taking a story that you know that that has happened and, and and dramatizing it. I thought, I mean, a, a very English scandal was a was brilliant, was brilliantly done. I'm not sure it tells you a huge amount about politics today. It's a sort of historic. It's a it was a an historical drama, let's say. Years and years. What I thought was wonderful about that was, I mean, you know, the the kind of the laziest form of new of newspaper satire is someone who goes, oh, you know. Right, what's going to be happening in two years' time? 
and you can you can basically do anything. And, and they they're always more of the time you write them than they are of the future. If you look back at something you've written, uh, projecting to the future as satire, it's generally always dreadful. And what I thought was what was what was amazing about I mean, just like remarkably dreadful. You know, and you end up you make all the same jokes. But I mean, the, the number of the number of kind of sort of humorous humorous articles I, I wrote in which, like years and years ago, in which I don't know Prince William ended up married to Billy Piper and stuff like that. A, 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 a senior royal marrying an actress. Imagine. But uh, but what, what what years and years kind of saw it superficially resembled that kind of thing. But it was brilliant. It just it, it was a a really clear vision of the of the near future. So I thought it was astonishing. Every single thing that's gone wrong, it's your fault. What did I do? Where's this come from? I get blamed for an awful lot, but how am I responsible for the entire world? Because we are, every single one of us. We can sit here all day blaming other people. We blame the economy. We blame Europe, the opposition, the weather. And then we blame these vast sweeping tides of history, you know, like they're out of our control, like we're so helpless and little and small. But it's still our fault. Uh, but it's, I, I, whether we can quite call it parliamentary political, I, I, I don't really think so. But it, it was, um, again, it had, it had a sort of strong satirical push. I thought it was great, really great. What did you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I started watching it thinking, I don't know if I'm going to quite like this the cast and this is really good so I'll sort of give it a go and by the end I was just sort of completely absorbed in this it was so perfectly pitched as being both totally outlandish it felt or you tried to convince yourself it was while also being completely believable um and all the more terrifying thought I thought it was uh terrific what did you think of bodyguard I mean I quite like bodyguard in that it got the details good enough so i didn't sit there going well that's not right and actually they don't go through that door and you know that's you know the when when keely hall's character did the speech where the bomb went off it looked exactly like an actual speech and it was they filmed it where politicians do make speeches so in that sense it felt uh really good and so i enjoyed it but was it just essentially just a bit silly it was a bit silly uh i thought it was um I mean, again, the, the the politics side of stuff in there, I suppose, was okay. That the the relationship between politicians and, and and bodyguards, you know, I mean, I've I I I knew some bodyguards growing up, and it's without without, without the sex, it's it, it was pretty similar. Uh, but um, <laughs> but uh, I um, uh, I, I I mean, as a plot, I thought I thought bodyguard was was somewhat preposterous. I don't mean because it it's it's obviously more like line of duty than like any other political show, but it seemed to be. Uh, Line of Duty always has this sort of backbone of, it's not quite, I, I mean, I described it in a review, Line of Duty, it's not quite realism. It's kind of ersatz realism. It's fake realism. It feels real without being real. And Bodyguard just sort of didn't really bother with that. It was Bodyguard was like a sort of incredibly melodramatic kind of hysterical show that just, you know, you sort of throw every last bit of drama at the wall and see what sticks, you know, from from bomb vests to explosions to, to the sex or running around to shooting to... To affairs, I mean, to everything. Every last bit of drama was just kind of hurled at the script there. So it's a bodyguard was a bit melodramatic for me, I think. Yeah, the thing about shows like Line of Duty is sometimes things don't always go right. You know, they go down a a path and then that turns out to be the wrong one or they do a lot of paperwork and it's not quite, you know, whereas, yeah, in some dramas like The Bodyguard, everything just sort of comes together, you know, just right uh, all the time. Let's talk about some comedy, just because we could do with lining it up a bit. We've talked about the thick of it in Yes Minister, but what about shows like, I don't know whether it's Spitting Image, Have I Got News For You, The Mash Report, The Daily Show, they are political TV shows. Can they compete with dramas? Uh, I mean, once they could. At the moment, I don't think any of them are that, I mean, obviously, Spitting Image isn't on anymore. I don't think any of them are that 
super right now. That's not to that's not to not I mean that, that's not to, to to knock them or the people who do them. It's something about the the times we're in. I think um, before you had such active social media, frankly, and also frankly, before you had the likes of people like you and me employed by newspapers, uh, <laughs> which which I which I, I don't say to kind of sort of to overstate our importance. There's such a relentless deluge these days of people slightly taking the piss out of politics and like an episode of of uh, of the mass report or have i got news for you is going to be really 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 good to be better than the best political joke told on twitter the day before and they're not often so much any day, uh, these days you, you know what i mean i mean i mean there's there's they're still there's still great shows and i and i and i love watching them but i'm not quite sure they have the kind of defining import that they once did i think for i mean certainly in my lifetime, the defining era of, of spitting image was the was the Thatcher era or the Thatcher major crossover era, and um and that of Revive Got News for You was the Blair era, and I don't think either of those have ever been quite as important. It's not to say they're bad, but they just haven't been as quite as important as they were then. Does that seem fair? Yeah, no, I think that's uh, fair enough. Did your your I mean I don't know if I talked to you about your dad. Did your dad, obviously Malcolm Rifkin, have a spitting image puppet? Hell yes, he did. Uh, he um it. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it. It was a. Uh, I think it was uh, it was must have been about 90, 1990 or thereabouts, and he was he was in a Christmas special where he was a uh, he was he was he said the, the the it was a sort of nativity show. His character said the the camel to Bethlehem has been cancelled because of the wrong kind of sand. That was the joke, and <laughs> he was transport secretary at the time. I should have mentioned that. Um, and um, they, they never they never got his voice quite right. He looked a little bit too much like Michael Howard. But the, the, the epilogue to the story is in much later, many, many years later, somebody as a present gave him his spitting image puppet. Alas, he hasn't still got it. He, he donated it to some, I can't, I can't remember where he donated it to in the end, but he used to have it. He had it for a long time and it was in a cupboard in his office in Portcullis House. And I've got this fantastic photo of my daughter, my eldest daughter, when she's about four years old, basically opening this cupboard and seeing her grandfather's head in it. And it's um, <laughs> and she looks she looks she looks quite I mean I'll, I'll send it to you she looks quite freaked out. But what was particularly weird about it is because my dad's spitting image puppet was from the kind of early nineties. Of course, by the time we got to 2013, 2014, he looked considerably older than his spitting image puppet, which is quite a weird thing when you you know you when your your spitting image puppet looks like a a sort of a yes a parody of you, but also a kind of sort of younger, healthier version of you. <laughs> uh, very peculiar. Yes. So while you were just talking, I've just Googled it, and apparently a uh, Malcolm Rifkin spitting image puppet sold in December 2010 for £384. I think that's probably when he got it. Whoever bought it then gave it to him. But it's actually a very difficult time to take the piss out of politicians at the moment, uh, to, be, to, to be directly mocking them for their absurdities, because, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're as frightened as the rest of us. You know, and you kind of, it's, it's, it's sort of one thing to, the stakes are kind of, relatively low uh, most of the time when you when you think a politician is screwing up or it's very easy to say oh well they should be doing that better it's very hard as a satirist to to really really actively take the piss out of the government's efforts to save you know tens of thousands of lives when 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 you're pretty sure that in the same position you would be doing considerably worse so so i think now now is quite a difficult time for satire in that regard maybe and there's also something about because both of us uh, in the saturday times have to write about as you said take normally taking the piss out of politicians but now, if you sort of point out the absurdities or try to undermine what they're doing, you're not just sort of raising a laugh or making people think less of these people. You, know, you could ultimately persuade people to like go out and break curfews and potentially spread disease or lose faith in the, the government's entire strategy, uh, which feels like quite a high-stakes thing to do. Well, it's, um, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's worse than that. The joke isn't 
isn't Boris Johnson incompetent? The joke is another 50,000 people are going to die. And that's not, it's not funny, you know? No, well, let's let's part that because it's supposed to be a slightly cheerier alternative to what's going on in the real world. Let's look across to uh, America, where because America obviously do everything bigger and better. We've talked about House of Cards, but you know, West Wing, Veep, Designated Survivor, Madam Secretary, Scandal, uh, Spin City was one of the things I wanted to talk. I remember, I'd completely forgotten it existed until we were planning to do this podcast. So I loved Spin City with Michael J. Fox. You know, what? I didn't know it very well. I must have seen it a few times, uh, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't speak speak to it with speak about it with any any great confidence. I think Veep Veep is one of the one of the best things that's ever been on television. I was trying to use Jonah for intelligence. That's like trying to use a croissant as a f***ing dildo. I thought... No, no, no. Let me be more clear. It doesn't do the job. And it makes a f***ing mess. Veep is just a higher order. It's Because uh, it's not only brilliantly funny, it's better political comedy, uh, commentary than the, the, than the West Wing. You know, it's, it's tremendous in every way, I think, Veep. The, the West Wing, which is, of course, the, the, the big beast in, in this form, I, always, I find a little bit exhausting, a little bit kind of too heroic. The first commandment says, honor thy father. No, it doesn't. Toby, it doesn't. Listen to- no, I, if I'm going to make you sit through this preposterous exercise, we're going to get the names of the damn commandments right. Okay, here we go. Honor thy father is the third commandment. Then what's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt worship no other God before me. Boy, those were the days, huh? <laughs> Good afternoon, Mr. President. Uh, I think it might be because I've never really, um, I've never given it the you know, six months of devoted attention that, that, that properly getting into the West Wing requires. I mean, it, it obviously sets the template for everything else, and you, you couldn't really have Veep without the West Wing. I think I, rem- I remember reading that they, they were filming Veep at the same time as they were filming, I think it was um, House of Cards, and they filmed bo- both in Baltimore, and you basically had two fake presidents zooming around the sort of classical-looking bits of the bits of the city all at the same time, trying to avoid each other, so they didn't both... So the the two cavalcades didn't get into each other's shot all the time. I, well, I'm going to confess, I've I've never seen. Well, I've never definitely never watched the West Wing from sort of beginning to end. I've seen a few episodes occasionally, and I always thought, oh no, I won't watch this. I'll wait and I'll go back to the beginning and do it properly. And I've never sort of found had the inclination to do it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe now is the time to invest. In fact, I have gone back uh, in the last week or so and started watching the thick of it from the beginning. And it is so... I, I know this is not an original observation. It is so good. I mean, right from episode one, you've got as useless as a marzipan dildo and you're just <laughs> off. That is a... That is a no, the, I mean, the, the thick of it kind of... It, it landed with sort of... It, it, was, it was such a heavyweight show from, from, from the word go. The West Wing feels weird now because it's, um, it's that kind of veneration of a president, that sort of veneration of the... the kind of... the nobility of politics... Which is is um, it, I mean, it's remarkable to think that was a that was clinging on even as as recently as as the nineties. But it's just so far from how we think about politics, and particularly American politics today. And even even you know, America's always because America's always had this thing that their president is not just a, a political leader, but also a head of state. So their their president is more equivalent to, to the queen in some regards. And so it is unpatriotic to in some respects to to attack the character of the president. But that that just doesn't feel true now at all. But that's kind of what the West, obviously, for obvious reasons, because the president is, is a terrifying moron. The president is actually Homer Simpson. The West Wing rests so heavily on this kind of idea of the people who ascend to high office are, are noble, want the best for us, are, you know, deserve our support, might, might make missteps, but really their, their hearts are goddamn in the right place, all that kind of stuff. And that just feels like um, it's just another age, isn't it? 
it does feel like a sort of a million years ago. Um, the, yeah, the, the sort of smart, attractive, eloquent people walking around doing good. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, imagine. <laughs> um, but, uh, before we we get down to the nitty gritty of um, what is actually your favourite honourable mention for Borgen I mean watching Borgen feels like about a million years ago but I loved it I sort of I remember I watched Borgen I think like a lot of people just after the killing and so I kept sort of waiting waiting for the murders it, I mean it's, it's very Lib Dem isn't it Borgen <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's you know it's, it's, a kind of, it's the Lib Dem wet dream and they never really do anything you know they, there's like 4,000 different people in Borgen and they're all, you know, making agreements and betraying each other, and nothing ever happens. It's a very dysfunctional sort of politics. You know, there's no, you never really get get the feeling that it matters to the place they're in. It's it, it's kind of it's like a hobby, you know. It does feel a little bit low stakes, sort of parish council at large. I mean, I vividly remember the first time uh, watching Borgen. It was a Saturday night. It was BBC Four. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's not Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway. This, and I remember saying to my wife, "Oh, yeah, there's new." Um, Political drama. She's oh right, yeah. Maybe we could watch that. It's Saturday night. We could sort of watching, you know, Jonathan Ross or whatever. I said, yeah, no, it's a political drama. It's um, it's set in Denmark. Oh, is it right? Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's got uh, it's got subtitles. And for some reason, she went along with the idea that on Saturday night we were going to watch a subtitled <laughs> Danish political drama. Um, we both loved it so much. We even went on holiday to Copenhagen and walked around some of the areas up and down the the colonnades, pretending that we were in Borgen. That's how much we loved it. Is that is that really a thing you want to confess? <laughs> um, so go on there. It, when we, before we before we were talking, we, we um, had a Google Doc to because everything in the world now is run through Google Docs to go through some of the things that we uh, wanted to put on the list. Uh, you added some things that don't immediately scream politics: Battlestar Galactica and The Simpsons. Discuss. So, sorry. Also, also The Wire. Got to start with The Wire because The Wire is is a fantastic political drama. Because yeah, it, okay. it's, I mean, it really is because it's all about, um, you know, beyond the, beyond the the, the 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 drugs drama. It's all about uh, city civic structures failing to comprehend and deal with what's going on on their patch. So, put The Wire to one side. Battlestar Galactica, by which I mean the new one, is basically it's a nine eleven drama. You've got this president dealing with a crisis. Never mind the fact he's on a spaceship. You've got a president dealing with a crisis, trying to negotiate with an enemy, trying to deal with uh, with the various kind of sort of stakeholders of her new society while they're all suffering from intense trauma and loss. I think it's a, it's it's just I I've always thought it's one of the best kind of portraits of the of a president of the loneliness of command in an American context. I mean, sort of sort of better really than, than the West Wing in that regard. Uh, and it sounds ridiculous because they're also fighting shiny metal robots. And I'm wearing their vests backwards for some reason, uh, but it's, um, it's, I think it's just it's a fantastic show when viewed as a political show. The Simpsons, in some respects, in some episodes, is maybe the greatest sort of political satire there's ever been. You know, Homer's run for garbage commissioner in Springfield, where he runs under the slogan "Can't somebody else do it?" John Paul, how are the new uniforms? Do they match the suede boots? Beautiful. Did you get the new trucks? Are they amphibious? Well, there's only one way to find out. We can always buy more. Wow, Dad, you're really working hard. Yes, I got to work hard, honey. Daddy made a lot of crazy promises. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. It's like a, so much of so much of, British, of, of the kind of low-level British politics. Basically, what, what people are saying is, can't somebody else do it? Don't make me do it. Can't somebody else do it? Somebody else fix this thing. You know, 
Like when 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 you have any form of incoherent politics, where you have you know we're not happy with we're not happy with Britain's role in 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 the European Union. So we want a different sort of Britain. Don't know what it'll be. Can't somebody else do it? Whenever The Simpsons tackles politics, which it does does often with you know Mayor Quimby, who's this kind of JFK parody with um with the relationship of a uh, of um of, of of Monty Burns to the community in which he's in with Lisa's kind of growing political disillusionment. Uh, the Simpsons it just, it just tackles politics fantastically. So I would I would always bang a drum for The Simpsons in that regard. Still to come, I finally ask Hugo who he'd like to win the World Cup of political TV shows. We'll be back after this. 10 years ago it was about spads but they were kind of sort of a, a bit wild they were taking drugs they were having sex but there was a kind of there was an earnestness there as well i remember i was doing the writing the gossip diary at the time and i remember going the producers put on a party for real spads real people who worked in in westminster to meet the cast of party animals because uh, they were all massive fans of them and of course the cast of party animals were intensely freaked out because they didn't really know that much about politics they were there were people like Matt Smith who were just playing characters and they were getting, you know, sort of sort of loomed over by the kind of, you know, fourth degree spads of Chris Grayling, kind of wondering literally what the fuck was going on. And, um, and the, 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 the specter of the, I, I will always remember just the, the image of 
the man who would go on to become Doctor Who being pinned down in the corner of a Westminster pub with kind of eight or nine kind of slightly dandruffy spads around him, barking questions at him about transport policy. Well, he just stood there losing his mind. It was sort of hilarious. But I, I loved that show. I thought it was great. So I, I would like it to have a, a, a high showing, although I don't think it will. I think Yes Minister will win. I think Yes Minister is, 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 is probably the, 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 the best political TV of our lifetime. House of Cards may win, but it shouldn't. It should be, it should be Yes Minister. Or, or perhaps the thick of it. Personally, personally, I would rate Veep higher than the thick of it, but they're, but they're fantastic. Well, when we did the um, Political Films World Cup uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were convinced, both Kevin Mayo and I, that I think that all the President's Men would win. So clearly it ended up being Armando Iannucci head-to-head uh, and in the loop ended up winning. So if, if Twitter, if Twitter's obsession with Armando Iannucci continues, then it'll be the thick of it and Veep in the final. I'm, I'm OK with that. I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I mean, I, 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 for, for all that I love the thick of it, I think the, just the sheer richness of, of, of Yes Minister, there's so much content there. You know, the, the thick of it do, does everything very well, but it's more, it's much more, it's much more bare bones. It's much more single note. It's, it's much more funny, frankly. Whereas Yes Minister just really is such an in-depth look at how politics really does work. So I think it, it deserves a good showing. Well, I'm inclined to agree. That it's the timelessness, I think. The, the, the thick of it felt very much of its time, uh, whereas Yes Minister just and Yes Prime Minister continues to be, you know, the best comment on the way that people working in politics, you know, ha- that is how politics works. That is, and it's also it's it's civil servants versus ministers. It's jobs worth versus you know more ca- a more cavalier approach. Yeah, I think it's uh, so. We're both saying Yes Minister, which means the thick of it will win. My huge thanks to Hugo Rifkin. If you are listening to this on Tuesday, uh, April the 7th, you've still got time to vote in the World Cup of uh, political TV shows. Go to twitter.com forward slash Matt Chorley. My huge thanks to you for listening. I know this is just a little bit of uh, fun and nonsense, but there's so much coronavirus raging outside our front doors. I think sometimes it's quite nice to have something else uh, to think about for half an hour. So uh, massive uh, thanks to all of you for joining in in the spirit with which it's intended. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, do keep your suggestions coming in of stuff that you want us to talk about. Email us redbox at thetimes.co.uk. Tweet us at timesredbox. We'll be back after the bank holiday weekend. But for now, for me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.